You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Hi, everybody. It's so good to see everyone. I'm Jenny, compulsive overeater. Um, so let's see, I have um, where I was, what happened and where I'm at. I, I kind of decided, I was thinking about how I want to do this. And I think I'm going to do it in two chunks because I'm, I'm back into OA. I first came into OA in 2010. And I feel like that, that kind of where I was, what happened and where I was, deserves it's a significant part of my story so I want to talk about that and then I'll go to where I was prior to coming back in and what happened so um I have been a compulsive overeater as far you know first memories really that I have are linked with food and food um uh just suffering essentially I have um my first memory went back to like being three. My aunt was making uh, ice cream and I was so excited, but I was um, also aware of this judgment from my dad and being sad that I couldn't just enjoy ice cream. And anyways, um, so yeah, just this awareness and kind of, um, unhappiness with my body my whole I mean really like every memory that I have in childhood um there's like this suffering that comes along with um hating my body wishing I was different feeling fat but not being able to control what I was eating and I remember um at five I I was walking into our kitchen and this is pre um, open concept. So our kitchen actually had a doorway and I was standing in the doorway and I, my dad was at the kitchen sink and his back was to me and he was eating, um, you know, sugary, sugary, flowery, deep fried treats. And he um, was eating them and then spitting them into the sink. And I sat there watching in fascination thinking, wow, that's genius. But I asked him, I finally interrupted him and I thought, what are you doing? And he, he, I scared him. And then he said, um, you know, I just wanted to taste these, but I didn't want the calories. And I really, I was like, wow, what a concept, except that I knew I was smart enough at five to know that I couldn't get away with that behavior, um, that I would get in trouble if I tried that. And so, um, I also, also figured out that I could gag myself if I ate enough and that I could then regurgitate food. So I actually started binging and purging at five. And um, by 11, so all of the other compulsive food behaviors that I was so ashamed of and didn't want anybody to know about, like, you know, I'd be over playing at somebody's house and 
my normal eating friends would want to go play outside. And I was like, well, can't we eat first? Can't we have a snack first? And they would go out and play and I would make excuses to come back and like, oh, I need to use the bathroom. And I wouldn't, I would come in and I would sneak food. Um, and it wasn't really until I got into OA that I recognized how, like, to the extent of my disease. And I knew that being bulimic was wrong, not wrong, but it was a mental illness. I knew that I was um, not right with food, but I didn't realize the extent of my compulsion. So um, by 11, um, I was trying to hint to my parents that there was something wrong. Like, um, I just wanted them to notice that I was bulimic, but didn't want to come right out and say, and I had developed heartburn so bad. And I kind of forced my mom to take me to the doctor, but they didn't put two and two together. And so I felt kind of, I was, again, didn't want to come right out and say that I was bulimic. I was just hoping they would figure mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't. And so I just kept on um, binging and purging. And by high school, um, just kind of a side note, I was also really athletic. Um, I had moments probably around second and third grade where maybe I was a little bit chubby as a kid, but for the most part had a typical, uh, a typical body weight. I wasn't, I was never a thin or a skinny kid, but I was muscular and strong and, um, not necessarily overweight, but um, in high school, I started restricting food. And if I did eat, I would throw up and I was playing soccer. And I remember this boy that I liked telling me that I had <laughs> the perfect body. And it struck me how sick and twisted that was like I should have been happy that I was getting that but um it actually was so painful it was like wow I'm literally killing myself and that's what it's required to feel accepted or beautiful or whatever um so flash forward a couple years this first picture that you have up there I met my husband when I was 18 and um that summer that I met him, I was really suffering with bulimia. Um, I got caught at work. I worked for my dad and I got caught by my, my aunt. And of course she didn't want to tell my dad, but she pulled me into her office with my, she told my grandfather and I lied. I said that I had just, you know, didn't feel well or whatever. And my grandfather didn't, he was so sad about, he just didn't know what to do. So he kind of like slid me a hundred dollars, like, please stop doing this. <laughs> we don't know how to deal with it. Um, and so anyways, I, but I met my husband that summer and, um, we, I, I got pregnant fairly quickly. And so, um, it's my husband standing next to me in the, the second photo, but, um, he was, he was amazing. In my first pregnancy, I, um, I gained a lot of weight and he, he was, uh, my husband is Samoan and in the Samoan culture, they love to eat, they love food. And I, I felt like for the first time I could kind of eat without this judgmental gaze. And also with the pregnancy, I knew, 
you know, my son's life meant more to me than, than my disorder. And so I stopped purging, but I didn't realize that I never stopped binging. And so I just, my weight just went, I got all the way up to 220 pounds. So that second, this photo here, I'm probably with my husband, I'm probably around 200, but the first photo I was probably close to 220. Um, and at that point I was having daily anxiety and panic attacks. So I wasn't throwing up, but I was feeling so much hatred and rage and just being in my own skin. It was really painful. And I, um, was obsessed all the time about what I was eating. And, um, I started exercising and was in that whole, um, you know, I really over, I over-exercised, but there was never an amount of exercise that could compensate for the amount of food that I was actually eating. And so, um, I just maintained this like 200 pound weight for many years, but hating myself the whole time. So this, this photo here is one of my, um, I had just had my third baby. Um, this was at the height of at the height of probably some of my crazy, I did actually go at this point into therapy and um, realized that I actually, prior to going into this therapy, I thought that I was having low blood sugar all the time. So I didn't realize that I was having panic and anxiety. Um, and that therapist actually helped me identify that I was having panic and anxiety attacks. And But my solution to that was to eat. And I, because I felt like I had low blood sugar. So I, the way I was experiencing anxiety was my heart was pounding and I was shaking and it felt a lot like, um, like low blood sugar. And so I would eat and then it would actually work for a little bit, but then it can, you know, always came back. And I it knew somewhere, I think with, with this third pregnancy, I was, uh, I had gestational diabetes and I had to test my blood sugar. And at one point after I had him, I thought, I can't actually be having low blood sugar. I just ate. So I tested my blood sugar and sure enough, it wasn't low or high, but, um, that was when I started to piece together that there was way more happening here than what I understood. And when in, I went into therapy and started to figure out, but, um, so this was, this was about, um, 2004. 2006. And therapy didn't help um, with the behavior. It did bring a lot of understanding. I knew I was having anxiety, but it didn't help. Um, you can see in a lot of these photos, like every, I'm really hide myself behind people. So um, anyways, in 2008, I had my last, my fourth child and um I really started like the binging and purging through the last two pregnancies. Um, I didn't, I couldn't actually help the binge and purge. So um, the amount of shame and guilt that I was carrying, I felt like a horrible mother and um, just these feelings of no matter what I did, I couldn't figure it out. And um, I had talked to a friend that had talked about going to OA and I remember feeling like, wow, I didn't know that that existed. Like I knew that there was, you know, other addictive programs, but I didn't realize there was one for food. And I had remembered, like when I was 21, I remember having this, was driving to work and obsessing about, you know, my weight and all this stuff and thinking all of a sudden I had this moment of clarity of like, you know, 
neither one of your parents forced food down your throat. You did that. This is your addiction, your behavior. And I hoped at the time, like, I really wish they had an addiction thing for food, but never looked into it, you know, didn't do that. Anyways, when my friend had mentioned that she was going to start into OA, it planted a seed for me. And so in 2010, um, my youngest was about a year and a half and I just was at bottom. And I, I really was at this place of surrender of like, I, I exercise all the time. Um, at that point I was actually running about five miles, three days a week, um, with that much weight on me, my hips hurt and I had to stop and walk a lot. I mean, it was a lot. And then I was working out with a trainer twice a week and doing spin class before that. And I gained a pound during that time because I was still eating ginormous quantities of food. So, but I didn't understand. I kept feeling like I'm not enough, no matter what I do is enough. And I got to this place where I was like, I just want to accept my big body. Like I, I want to stop hating myself for this. And so I didn't really understand what OA would do for me, but I thought maybe that that's where I would find some acceptance for my body that I felt like I had no control over at this point. So anyways, um, I found my first OA meeting in 2010. It was in March of 2010. And I, um, remember it was, it, it was an OA 90 meeting and I had no idea at the time what any of that meant. I just wanted an OA meeting that happened to be the one that, um, would work time-wise and schedule-wise. And I remember in that first meeting, um, hearing their abstinence and this feeling hit me in my gut. It was like a zing from my higher power. And I knew that there was recovery in this room and I knew that it was my recovery and I left that meeting and I went, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And so um, I think I went to another meeting the next week. I was way too shy to try to find a sponsor. It kind of reaffirmed that this, I knew that there's recovery here. I knew that when I was ready that I could come. And the following week I was in a drive-through getting my favorite fried potatoes and I bit into one and my tooth broke in my mouth and I, was really confused. Like what just happened? You know, I don't know. What... And then when I realized that my tooth broke, um, I was really embarrassed because it was right kind of, it wasn't right in the front, but kind of to the side. And I was, I have perfect teeth. That's kind of been a thing. Like I used to joke about it. You know, I have, I might be fat. I might be whatever, but I've got perfect teeth. I don't have any cavities. I've never worn braces. And um, so when my tooth broke, I was like, what, what happened? So I made an appointment, went to the dentist and, um, he looked at me right in the eye, like really quietly. And he said, um, do you grind your teeth? And I kind of looked at him like, I mean, you're looking at my teeth. Do they look like I grind them? I said, no, no, I don't think so. And he goes, okay. And he just really looked at me and he goes, you have no enamel on your teeth. None. And I knew I was like, oh, he knows. He knows now he knows my secret and I was so humiliated and I was horrified. I mean, I was horrified and he was in the same, I have my own business and he was in the same town that I have my own business. And this horror struck me, but it also struck me that this, the damage that I'd been doing to myself all these years, 
I couldn't hide anymore. Like it was actually like it, it was this moment of truth that I actually was going to die from bulimia if I didn't get help. That's so that, minutes. wow, that went fast. Right. Okay. So anyways, I got a sponsor immediately. I went into OA90 and I released, um, I released 52 pounds. And so this picture here with my husband, that was, um, at my, so most of these, so I have a ton of pictures, of course, from that time. And that was a miraculous time for me. I was in program pretty steadily for about four years. Um, always saved my life. It was huge, saved my life. Um, it recapitulated so much about what I knew about myself, about my body, about God. And so after about four years in program, I lost my sponsor and I, at that time was, you know, running a business for kids busy. And I just kind of felt like, I think I got this. My intention was always to come back and be of service, but, um, you know, I kind of felt like I got this. I have a spiritual program. I have all these things. So flash forward to, you know, this last year, um, I actually did maintain my weight for a long, long time. I, I didn't eat sugar or flour. I maintained my my abstinence, three meals a day, no sugar and flour, no snacks in between. I was very, very clear that I am allergic to sugar and flour. I do not react to that in a normal way. Um, the second I took sugar and flour out of my diet, my bulimia went away. By the grace of God, it has not come back. In the last year, year and a half, um, with the pandemic, I have been in so much fear around uh, my business and um, my losing my business, really. It's totally changing. And um, anyways, I had started to put weight on and I noticed that I was, while I wasn't eating sugar or flour, I was still engaging in behaviors with um, other foods that are trigger foods for me. And I was eating them compulsively and not wanting to admit it. And um, I had put weight on and those feelings that I had not felt about myself in so long came back. And I just am not willing. I'm not willing to go back to where I was. I'm not willing to binge and purge and I'm not willing to hate myself in the way that I did prior to 2010. And so I became willing to come back and, um, I can't, I found a way how, and I had heard about a way how I found a way how, um, this picture is me. Uh, last summer. And so you can tell I've put some weight on here uh, versus um, some of the other photos. And so um, what I'm noticing about OA How in comparison to the way that I worked program before is I'm in my fourth step currently and I have so much, I have a lot of feelings, I have a lot of pain that I'm re-experiencing, but it's good. Um, because I feel like I'm actually releasing it. I'm being honest about what it is, about what I've been holding, about what I didn't want to look at and what I didn't want to see. Um, the spirit of this program, having a sponsor, the fellowship, the meetings, the, the unconditional love and the generosity is amazing. And it makes me really happy to be a part of this Um I really love what Ginger said about service, about that we can be taking, but if we're not giving back, it just pools and becomes stagnant and gross. And I feel like what I did from 2010 to 2014 was take, 
and from 2014 to now it was just pooling and kind of stagnant and it's time for me to come back and to give back without a doubt always saved my life um the way I parent, the way that I am is completely different from 2000, you know, from prior to 2010. I'm just a different person and I owe that so much of that to always. So I'm really, truly grateful. And uh, it's time for me to, to be of service and to help other people that are suffering with this. Um, and that there is hope. I can say that um, the only thing I'm, I really, <laughs> suffer from is my is this i call it i've been calling it spiritual amnesia and and uh and uh spiritual narcolepsy you know i fall asleep at the wheel and i forget you know and it's it could be every day i have to do this so that i remember to stay connected to my higher power um and I need, I need a way to do that. I've been trying to do that on my own. It doesn't work. So I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be able to share my story with anybody that's still suffering and um, that our journeys are our journeys. We come in and out, but it's always here. Everybody, you know, this is here for us. So anyways, thank you, everybody.